You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. If you've not introduced yourself to the person next to you, would you please do that? Uh, like we always insist, real names, please. Just names, no numbers. All right. Oh my goodness. I'm really so proud of everyone who's made it to church this morning. Um, you know, uh, God is really kind to us. It's just kind of annoying rain. It's, you know, it's like rain small, then rain again, then rain small. But we're going to have a great time in God's presence. Um, I would like us this morning to celebrate a couple who I love so dearly, who um, <laughs> just keep giving to life point um, leadership, um, encouragement, annoyance, all sorts of good things. Um, you might not know them, everybody, but I'd like the deeper and tougher language to please stand. Could you stand? Could you please stand? I like church. Could we just love on them this Sunday morning? Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Like, like they're like our rock, you know, really kind people, really kind. If you guys blush one more time, we'll, sh- we'll clap for you again. All right. Um, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Housekeeping. Um, we'll have a mini vigil on Friday. Yeah, yeah. So mini vigil is like us American vigil. So you don't stay overnight. No, not old school. You come at 7 p.m. By 10.30, we leave. Abby? All right? Uh, so 7.30. And this one is for the first Friday. And we're like, you know, Bible speaks about first fruits, right? So, you know, we say, look, how better to start, you know, a year, if, you know, a, a, a month and take the first Friday off and just spend it in God's presence. We've done about two or three. They've been phenomenal. This one is very special because Pastor Godman will be here uh, leading us in a session of prayer. Uh, Tolui Jogun has been here before. She'll be here again. Um, um, Joisa and a bunch of other people. Please do come in. Um, I, I know you don't sleep early on Friday. <laughs> uh, so before you go out, come. If after the Holy Ghost has talked to you, you can still go out. That's fine. But before you go out, come. So 7 o'clock to 10.30, we trust God for a great time in his presence. And, and then sometimes when we come to church, we realize that some of you leave church a bit. You're like, my goodness, I want, I want to pray some more. So I look at your faces, I can see that you want to pray a bit more. So next Sunday, after service, we'll finish like this. We'll have a small after party for people who want to pray. <laughs> I'm serious. So like just 30 minutes for those people like this, like deeply spiritual, but like this 35 minutes prayer, they pray during the service and working for me. So we'll give you guys a small corner of the room. But it's important, and, and some Sundays we'll say we'll have an after party for worship. Sometimes it's just for people to play games. But we want people to have time after service. But this one will be the first one. and So it's next Sunday after the service, so you can plan that in your schedule. Um, in the last couple of days, it's been interesting the things that have happened in our city. Um, just tragic things that happened in our nation. And I, I know how you know, um, how how it feels, right? Um, and I dare say God knows how it feels. All right. I went on, I've been off social media in and on and off, and then I went on Twitter, I think it was on Friday, and, you know, my comment was, my goodness, it's harsh here today. You know, because people were, 
It's just like everybody was just looking for somebody to, to bash. And I could feel a lot of pain um, and a lot of hopelessness. Um, I just want to say that for those of us who know God, the Bible says when men shall say that there is a casting down, that we shall declare that there is a lifting up. It's also our responsibility to pray. Yeah? And prayer is extremely important. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And an opportunity to lend a hand to making sure some of the things which have happened in our country do not happen again. By God's grace, um, and Miss Christ Tyree's, some of the things we talk about in our country uh, will be history by the time our children arrive. Believing people say amen. amen. At least when our children come, they should have, we should have light 18 hours. Maybe next Sunday my faith will have grown, and I say 24. But at least 18 predictable hours. It's part of the stress in this country. It's just, it comes, it goes, it comes, it goes. You're like, you're not just sure. But it is well. And in good news, uh, you must have caught the news also. God took out the people that took us out. <laughs> From the World Cup. We didn't mean it. <laughs> and God is kind. <laughs> He's a God of vengeance. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think that's all the... Yeah, I think that's... Oh, yeah, we've got a memory verse for today. So over the next couple of weeks, just reminding people of scripture. Today's one is Hebrews 4.12. The whole idea is that you are able to, within the course of the week, look at it over and over and over again uh, and commit it to memory. The psalmist will say, your word have I hidden in my heart. All right? Um, so this one is not very long at all. It says, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is the center of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Uh, so we're going to leave it up. But during the week, so if you repeat it to yourself, you know, once, twice, every day. And the truth is that if you know all the words to uh, the Legbert Bear song, and uh, you should be able to put this. This is not, this is like one verse. This is verse one. All right? Okay? Um. <laughs> all right. We, I get a sense that I need to focus today. Uh, and you help me. But let me tell the person next to you, you need to put some scripture in you. You need to put some scripture in you. You're too, just let me tell the next person, the person on the other side, this person is ignoring you. Just tell the person on the other side, you're too fine not to have scripture in you. <laughs> you know, you're too fine. You're too fine. You're too, you're way too fine. You're way too fine. With the kind of agbada you're wearing, my brother. <laughs> you need scripture in you. All right. Okay, let's do this. Um, how to live a great life. This is interesting for me because I want to know too. <laughs> so when I preach at Life Point, I said to them, look, you know, when I, I have the discussion with God before I have it with you. Um, I realize that there's a difference between the standard of living and the quality of living. So people can have less than others do, but yet be entirely more fulfilled, more happy. I mean, the truth is you don't even have to look too far. I grew up, as most of you know, in the beautiful city of Benin. And the honest truth is that the guys in Benin had far less than what I've seen in Lagos. The wonders that I've seen in Lagos. 
big, big cars, big houses, fine wigs. I've seen all sorts. But the truth <laughs> is that I think the people in Benin were happier. They were happier. I know that they were much happier than you guys. They had less, but they were much happier. <laughs> and so the quality of life is really not dependent on the things that you have. When a sick man goes to the hospital wearing a Rolex, the doctor doesn't really care. He doesn't even say, oh my goodness, you know, it's a wonderful Rolex you have. So what year is it? Is it this? Man is like, sir, I'm dying. He says, let me just admire it. He doesn't care. And John 10, 10, Jesus begins to say to his disciples, he says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, but I have come that you may have life and have that life in abundance. And, and that's an interesting one because Jesus promises us a great life. An abundant life. So we're praying this morning, myself and a couple of the leaders. And one of the things we prayed was that everyone who comes to Life Point will have a great life. That you would, when you are, when you are 50, not when you are 50, and because I know your father, I have a picture of you when you're 50. I kind of like I can see you a bit rounder, bald hair, you know. <laughs> His father's a really nice person, really cool man. And when you're 50, to be just all radiant, healthy, overflowing with joy, you know, just fulfilled on all sides. One wife, right? Plenty children, you know? Um, all the things that, you know, pleasing to God, not known to EFCC. What else? You know, plenty money, right? Definitely. <laughs> but just living a great life. But you know, more than that, because Nat did not create himself, because the Bible says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Pleasing to God. And when God looks at you, he's just happy. He's just happy, not just happy because he loves you, but happy because you've received his love. And so over the next couple of weeks, and you know, this one we're going to walk it until we are sure. We're going to preach Sunday and Wednesday. How do we live this great life that Jesus describes in John chapter 10 and verse 10? Okay, so the beginning, the Bible says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. <laughs> and as I prepared for this, it was clear in my mind a picture of what we needed to start the discussion with. He said that word was with God and the word was God. And it says in him, I think verse 2 says in him was life. Or it was with God in the beginning and nothing was made except that. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And all things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made. And in him was life. Okay, I apologize. I apologize. Take it easy. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So, you know, in John 1, he says, look, God, Jesus is the word. The word of God. And he says, look, he produced life. He produces life. So, as, we, as, as I prepared for this, the, the first things that came to me, you know, is, look, about this concept about <laughs> building as it were on the rock. If, if we want a title for the message, is 
is your house on the rock. Because John here says, in the beginning was the word of God. He says that word was, it had life in it. So when, we, when Jesus says, look, I, I, I've come because there's, there's death, there's destruction, there's stealing going on. I mean, you put every single, we're bracing ourselves of like saying, what will tomorrow be? What bad news? What will happen tomorrow? But Jesus says, would you look on the other side? He says, I promise you life, and not just life, but life in abundance. A great life. And John says, life comes from the word. Help me ask the person next to you, is your house on the rock? Is your house on the rock? Don't, you're not asking them, is this house on the rock? No, no, no. House on the rock is for a church further down. You're asking them, is your house on the rock? You let me ask them again, nicely, politely. Politely, is your house on the rock? Because we are all building our houses or our lives on something. So, so imagine that your life is a house. Imagine that your life is a house. What, what would your address be? Someone says, pack view. No, but tell, your, tell the guy next to you, what would your address be? Just... Take a take a take a thirty. Someone saying Ikoyi Banana Island, number one to fifty-five. <laughs> says Pack Lane, London. So what would your address be? I know you. I know it's not going to be Agungi. I know that's not what you're thinking. Right? <laughs> if your if your life was a house, what kind of house would you be? Ah, somebody said, ah, no, I'm not a flat. No, I'm an estate. <laughs> no, but just imagine what what would your house? What kind of house would you be, Samuel? You're an architect, <laughs> like a block of flats, huh? Yeah? a ranch. God bless you. <laughs> Hebrews 3 and verse 4, the writer says, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of all houses. I, I love this scripture. I need to focus, but I love this scripture because at a time when I was much younger, I you know, it was, and there was almost a, a tendency for you to think that success is scarce and wealth is scarce. Well, they just realized every house in this city is owned by somebody. Every single, all the houses in Nigeria are owned by people. And those houses are not cheap, right? So it means that there are people who, who there are lots of people who by the help of God have been able to do things. All right? But, but the writer of Hebrews says, every house is built by someone. He says, but God is the builder of all things. And it makes sense when you begin to read, I think, uh, uh, where the psalmist says, uh, it says, except the Lord builds a house. I think it's in Psalm 127, that they labor in vain that build it. In fact, when you read the message translation, it says, except the Lord builds a house. It says, the builders only build shacks. Follow me, there's a, there's a method to this somewhere. If we're all building houses, this life, that we're, this life we're living, it's all a house. We're all building houses. What kind of house are we building? Now, um, you must be aware that building a house in Lekki is very different from building a house in most other parts of the city. It's very different from building a house in Ibadan, for example. And in, and in Benin. When you want to build a house in Ibadan, you, you just take the blocks, you put them here, and, and you design as you go. You, you, <laughs> you, you say, 
Uh, no, 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 expand it, expand it. Don't, you don't really use plans at all. They've got plenty of land. You just build and repent it and then, you know. Now, you can't do that in Lagos. <laughs> I remember, this is important because I remember a friend of mine invited me once to come see a new house that himself and his wife had built. Had bought, actually. It was somewhere in Bagada. Lovely estate. And uh, interestingly, we were at the time when we were looking to buy our first house also. And, you know, we then found that we, we knew one other guy from, you know, from the office who was buying there. We knew somebody from, you know, so a number of people, young people were buying houses there. Nice house. In fact, one lady had brought this all-fitted kitchen. I don't even know what that is. But they said her kitchen was very nice, you know. People brought all sorts of nice things. My friend's house was also nice, but I heard there were other people's houses that were nicer. So we went, we did a big party. I remember, I can still remember that day. Reverend Sam even came, prayed for the house. Ah! It's a beautiful house, beautiful estate, very nice, well laid out. I think it was not up to six months or perhaps one year. Then the houses started moving. I'm not joking. No, no, I'm not joking. No. The houses started moving. Two years down the line, some of the houses had been pulled down. Some of the houses were sinking in. It was, so when it rained, it was a disaster. And you know, what has simply happened, and we started hearing, ah, oh, no, <laughs> this developer, he has condos, da, 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 da. And they kept on saying something over and over and over again. He did not do soil tests. <laughs> Would you help me ask the person next to you, have you done the soil test for your life? Uh, have you done the soil test? Because a beautiful house on shaky ground is a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, they tell you when you're building... I don't know much about building, but when you're building in certain parts of the city, but you have to do a special type of foundation. So the foundation itself is almost like a house. And the guys who build will tell you that sometimes it almost costs you as much. Well, it costs you quite a bit. to, Sorry? As much to build the foundation. It's a huge deal in the city of Lagos. So our consideration this morning is what is my house, what is my life built on? What should a great life be built upon? A story I'll tell you, Matthew 7. Jesus says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I would liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended. Not this type of chakara rain. No, no, no. Real rain. Then it says the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house and it did not fall or fail for it was founded on the rock. He says, but everyone who hears the sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. 
So my submission 101 for living a great life, church, is that a great life is built on God's word. And if you've not been in church for a long time, you're not Christian, don't worry, I'll try and explain this. A, a great life is built on God's word. It's built on God's word that you've heard, God's word that you've received, and God's word that you do. How did this come to me? I, I realized that it's very possible to claim to follow Jesus and not have God's word as a reference or the basis for your life. How do you do that? Well, you learn all the current worship songs. The recent ones, like the hit ones. You learn them. So when the band comes, you can sing along. And sometimes you go to a church like this, they even put it, you know, you, you learn them. You learn the buzzwords, the Christian words. It is well. We thank God. If you're very spiritual, bless you. What else? It's a buzz Christian word. Sorry, preach it. <laughs> you learn to do the mm, the um, if you don't know this, if you're not around Pentecostal circles. Is what you do to show the person sitting beside you in a service that the word is touching you. You go, hmm, yes. <laughs> you know, in the word. <laughs> you know? Then you sometimes you just shake your shoulder, you shake, you know. Because once you have all this settled, everybody around is persuaded that you're Christian. <laughs> but the challenge is that. It's not that you are not building, because Jesus says in Matthew 7 that there are people who actually build purposefully on sand. So the difference between the guy who builds on sand and the guy who builds on the rock is not that they don't have, no, it's not that they don't wake up in the morning. It's not even that they don't come to church, because Jesus says in Matthew 7 that they both hear the word. And because John 1 says that that word contains life, the man who refuses to put his house upon what God says refuses to receive life. Now, this is an important discussion for me because as I prepared for this, I started saying to myself, so Idris, look, how much of my life as I speak today is built upon God's word? This is important. I was like, if, if my, how much of my life is built upon God's word? Leave all this my pastor, leave your PI something, leave all these fancy things that people know about you, leave every message you've preached. How much of my life is built upon what God has said? Help me ask the person next to you, is your house on the rock? Is your house on the rock? Is your house on the rock? What is God's word good for? What is God's word good for? When God speaks to us, his word, the Bible, it's like the manual with operating instructions for a great life. Uh, Caleb, where, where's my manual? Yeah. So this, the Caleb, Caleb, Caleb is this handsome, single gentleman. God bless you. Wave to the church. <laughs> Caleb is my EA. Uh, very nice guy. I see him most times uh, during the day. Very nice. 
and he needs to get married next year. So please speak to me if, you, if you're interested. All right. He's very, uh, he writes poems. He just focus on the message. Focus on the message. So, so God's word. Focus, guys. I'm here. All right. <laughs> God's word that we must build our lives on is like our manual. Now, 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 I know that you, like me, have no regard for manuals. No regard whatsoever. Who, who are they? Did they buy the phone for you? This, this book here, is the manual for, believe it or not, one of our cars. Land Cruiser Prado. So they expect me to buy the car while I'm celebrating the new car and I'm making sure I'm, you know, want to pack it where my neighbor can see that God has blessed me, they now want me to spend, even for physics A level, I didn't read this type of book. Uh, I will now read Land Cruiser Prado. But, you know, until the day that Ogochuku was driving the car and some funny light came on and the car was driving funny. <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't, you know, uh, you know good husband. Where are you? I just, oh, come, I come. And I got there. Looked at the light that was showing. The light was looking at me. <laughs> and I remember there was a book that came with the car. Opened it. And started leafing through. And, trying, and the truth was, it was very simple. Someone had pressed the light, a, a switch that did something to the suspensions. I just pressed it back. But the manual was there all the time. In fact, I've got a better one. This BMW, and, and I don't know why my BMW stories are coming up again, but you know, maybe God is dealing with my heart or something. That's fine. Lord, I'm open. You know, speak to me. And, and um, that BMW, the first one, the day I got it, ah, I remember, you know, I drove it home, and I think it was the next day, fuel was low. I was going to buy fuel, petrol. I drive. I can remember this filling station. It's at Bagada. This must be mobile. On the right, you're going towards Third Mainland. I drive confidently. Look, guys, it's my BMW, red leather seat. I own the car. Pack next to the guy. Fill it up. I don't know what I said to him. I don't know how much when I. But give me petrol. Open your tank, sir. Hmm? In my, I'm not just a true story. In my, in my Honda, to press you. I'm not joking, guys. This, this is a real story. <laughs> Shut up putting the car in reverse. So, you know, after like one minute, I'm coming. I'm not joking. This is, guys, I'm telling you the truth. I, give me a minute, sir. I'm coming. So, I drove the car, parked the car inside the petrol station <laughs> with humility. <laughs> Opened the manual. <laughs> well, I'm not joking, though. You know? They didn't have BMW in my, in my hometown. So but. Isn't it the same way that we want to live a great life with no reference to the manual that came with us? That came with life on its own. <laughs> when Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, 3.14, he says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. Knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Then he says something all scripture is given by inspiration of God our Father 
and is profitable, one for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and it says for instruction in righteousness. So when God speaks to us, when he gives us his word, he's essentially telling us this is how you should operate your life. But you know, we, and I think, you know, we buy our phones, we don't even, we, they, we throw the manual away, we reach for the earphones immediately to make sure nobody steals them. But who needs manual? So you just look for power button, and then we feel it. But what ends up happening is that a lot of us drive cars that we don't understand. A lot of us carry phones that we can't use half of as functionalities. And then the most challenging one is that we then live lives that are half measure. Oh, tell the person next to you, you need some word in your life. You need some word in your life. You need some word in your life. I mean, most of you who have cars, I will ask you this question. Follow me, you have a car. But what is the appropriate air pressure in your tires? Because what happens is we just drive the car to the guy who fixes it. Uh, if you're not from Lagos, we call the guy the vocalizer. I'm not quite sure what that word means. Say, gauge them for me. Then God help you because it depends on what the guy thinks. Put some speech in his mouth. I don't know why they do that thing. Uh, and he just pumps the tire and hits it. Boom, boom. So drive. You, you carry the car. Put it on. Meanwhile, there's a book in your car. Open it. It tells you front tire is 38 or whatever it is. Back tire 40. So, okay, how many it is? What is it? What is it? it says 60. Mm, is that good? It says good. Okay, okay. Life is an open book exam. Life is an open book exam. Jesus says, would you hear the word? Would you build upon the word? He says, because that word has life in it. He says, no, let me live my life first. I want to, I know... I've seen people do it before. Let me tell somebody next to you, please open your manual. Open your manual. Just open your manual. If you've ever written an exam before without right reading the instructions, you know disasters happen like that. So you're in like, you're in the middle of, maybe like you had 10 minutes more. <laughs> then you now chance upon the instructions. Answer only one from this category. Meanwhile, you've answered the three. <laughs> then you now start trying to look for which one did I answer best. God's word. Paul says to Timothy, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So it means that the man who is far away from God's word does not have instruction about righteousness. Does not know how to be righteous. He might have received the life. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we receive that from Jesus. It says, but there is a way, there's, there's a life. How do I live a great life? When <laughs> the one who designed me has spoken about me, uh, uh, let, me, let me push this on a bit. I believe that God's word is a compass for direction and a mirror for correction. And I'll tell you what that means. 
Paul says that one of the things that what the things one of the things that we benefit from what God says to us that allows us to build a house on the rock. He says it's correction, is reproof. Um, every human being is a bundle of desires, is a bundle of opinions, is a bundle of thoughts. All of us here carry thoughts, carry strong opinions about different things. If I branch in this message today to talk about PDP or APC or what and the other, and the other things, we can divide the church into two. Strongly divided people. Everybody, and there's some people who are free thinkers who believe we should not, you know, we should outsource the whole country, you know. All sorts of people. Let's come home simpler things. Football. They're Arsenal fans. Man United. The ones who follow any club that is winning. The ones who are nationalistic. I don't support all that. I'm, 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 a, I'm a wicked tourist guy. You know? Everybody has different opinions. Even, you know, colors. Even all sorts of things. However, we sometimes think that all that comes from us. That we are solely responsible for our thoughts, for our influences, for our desires and everything. What we don't realize is that, you know, as life goes on, you collect. As we read Ephesians chapter 2, he speaks about the power of the prince of the air and the influence that he has on the children of disobedience. My question to us, church, as we think about putting our houses on the rock, is who or what is shaping our worldview? The view you have of the world, who, who is shaping it? The desires you have within you, where are they coming from? And those desires are powerful. James writing says, those desires essentially pull you in different directions. And Paul says, when he speaks to Timothy, that God's word corrects us. <laughs> he is for reproof. So it should be a lifestyle of someone who is building the house on the rock, aspiring for a great life, that ever so often as they interact with God, God says to them, this that you are doing does not make sense. It is not correct. So I ask myself during the week, it is when was the last time God corrected me? And I was, you know, I was, I was really trying to remember it. <laughs> I mean, I, I can, I, I mean, it came to me, but you need to live in that space where, because we know you're not perfect yet. I think that some of us sometimes have more faith when we use Google Maps than we do as we approach God. What do I mean? If you're going to a place you have never been to before, like your tomorrow, you've never been to tomorrow, where are we going to? Let's uh, take a place, Festac. So you put uh, the thing on your phone, right? Yes, I'm going, and then Google Maps says do a U-turn five times. I know some of you are stubborn, so you argue with your map as you. That's fine. That's that's okay. We'll, we'll do have a special class for you later. But typically, most of us are faithful. It says in hundred meters, turn left. You turn left. You don't even ask. Are you sure? You turn left. Drive for one kilometer. You're very humble. 
to drive for one kilometer. It keeps on giving you instructions. There are sometimes when you decide that you want to do it your way, that you get lost. It's patient with you. It recalculates your route for you, and then it tells you what to do. How is God correcting you, Afolabi? Because a life that is not corrected is assumed perfect. And you and I know that we're just not perfect yet. Help me tell the person next to you, I don't think you're perfect yet. I don't think you're perfect yet. So Paul says that God's word is fantastic for correction. In fact, let me try this. Because adjustment and correction. Adjustment, I mean, um, ladies, you know that you can't... Um, make up, or what do you call it, beat yourself, or what do you guys call that thing? You can't beat yourself, right? You can't beat yourself properly. <laughs> I'm just looking for trouble. But yes, that's, they can't, they, well, they can't beat your face for you, and they shouldn't, <laughs> without a mirror. In fact, guys, you know that if you go and get a haircut, and the guy has no mirror there, that there is a problem. <laughs> if he takes the mirror and says, we don't need this for now, don't worry about that. No, 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 no. Then you know that this guy was sent from your hometown or your ex-girlfriend. So God seeks to give us clarity, life instructions, timely corrections, direction from his word. So I've been declaring over myself that my life's house, this house of Idris's life, is built using divine measurements. It's subject to divine correction. So <laughs> I became excited when I remembered James chapter 1. Because James chapter 1 begins to say, look, would you please, I beg you, Ibukon, not just be a, be a doer of the word of God, not just a hearer deceiving yourself. He says, for if anyone is just a hearer of the word and not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man he is or he was. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. He says, this one will be blessed in what he does. He says the word of God is like a mirror. The things God tells you and I in his word are like a mirror. I, 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 will, I, I have to beg us about this because there is this sophisticated brand of Christianity that no longer references the word of God. I was chatting with someone yesterday afternoon and I think on two occasions she would say something and I would say, where is it in the Bible? And we had fun doing that. Because sometimes people can say things confidently. He said, but God says so, 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 so. Ha. And you know, because I've read the Bible a little, I'm like, eh, okay, I'm not saying to become a pastor, but would you just please hint me, show me in the Bible. Where, where is it in the Bible? And God is asking you, he says, why are you ignoring the manual? Why are you ignoring the mirror? He says, I know when you want to make up you put the mirror in front of myself and Ogochuku. My wife had a big, 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 big thing for a couple of months about putting a full-length mirror in our bedroom. I was horrified. I couldn't see how it fits with the decor. I was like, we planned this room carefully. 
the colors wrong. I, you know, I just, it was such vanity. I couldn't understand it. And then to make it worse, my daughter then starts to use it after it's installed. You know, it's like, why? I, I only use it as I'm led, you know. <laughs> but I realized after a while that it was almost, in, it was, I don't think, and I'm not a woman, but I don't think, at least my observation, even from the younger one, that women are, if a woman dresses up and has not seen the mirror, her spirit is restless. She's going to be shaking. But, but, but we can go without seeing the word. So you know, girls, ladies, that same feeling you get when you've beat yourself but not seen the mirror, aha, that's how your spirit feels when you've not seen the word. That's exactly how your spirit feels. That's exactly how your spirit feels. The guys are like, our waterfalls, we don't, we don't feel that. The psalmist says in Psalm 119, verse 105, he says, Father, <laughs> your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Let me try and put this together. Okay. And I'm talking about this whole concept about building your house on the rock. I'm going to go back to that. But just what comes out of God's word. Okay, God's word is food. For the human spirit and soul. Uh, and you all know, I mean, I think Pastor Luby Johnson mentioned this again during uh, Accelerate, that you're not your body. You're not your body. You're definitely not your hair. Okay? And you're definitely not your body. The same way I'm not this kaftan I'm wearing on, when I go home I put it down, is the same way Idris is not this body. Is the earth suit the same way when I when you if you ever have the opportunity to go out of earth to um, um, to to space on a space journey you cannot go wearing this earth body. If you do that, we will have to talk about you in past tense. You will die. When you go, they have to give you a new suit as you go. But what happens is that when God creates human beings, He tells us what works, what feeds different things. Because anything you starve will either weaken, be stunted, or just die. Anything at all. And this is important for someone who is dealing with a desire that's leading you in a, in a direction you don't want to go. Any desire that you starve, right? When I say you starve, you don't give it food. Because even things have... Ah, which is why, if you, you, there's a, I digress a bit, but you know that there's certain, there's, a, there's music you can listen to. After you listen to it over and over, let me tell you, you know what I'm talking about, yeah? You listen to it over and over again. Guys, when you come out, your eyes are not clear anymore. You understand what I'm saying? You don't understand? <laughs> hmm. you, you start to feel a particular way. There's, there's a, there are movies you can watch. That when you finish watching it, even you, you know that you are backslidden. You've not done anything yet. You just know that you have been programmed. You have received nutrition for evil. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. Right? But our human spirits and our human souls, Jesus says in Matthew, I think Matthew 4, he says, man shall not live by bread alone. And this generally covers hamburgers, rice, beans, plantain, all the other times. He says, but man lives by the words that God says. Anything you feed 
flourishes, grows, and leads. Man was created to get mental and spiritual strength from God's word. A couple of years ago, we had a discussion. I think it was Elevation Church. I remember a pastor was preaching. And he said, look, guys, would you consider, would you consider as we talk about, you know, just building ourselves, would you consider this whole concept of no scripture, no supper? This was like five or six years ago, I don't know. And so we ran that campaign where we said, if you had not looked at God's word in a day, then you were not deserving of supper. Somebody said, eh, me, I don't even eat in the evening before. That's fine. <laughs> but we said because we wanted to elevate God's word above necessary food. As I wrote that, I realized a lot of you are feet farm. You don't even eat in the evening. You couldn't care less. I realized the one that would work for us, life point, was no scripture. I can already hear it. No social media. <laughs> because except social media is your work. So that's how you get paid in the morning. And I'm your pastor, eh? And I'm telling you the truth. There's days you just wake up and for some bad reason, you slept with your phone beside you. you know, it's almost automatic because you want, you want your hand touches your phone. It just opens your password. Then you know things start to slide. Instagram, who died yesterday? Who gave? What did it? Ah, ah, Katasha. Ah, ah. Then you from Instagram, there's a link. It takes you to Twitter. Then you're just cross-referencing what's happening. Then you are late for work. Then you didn't even have money devotion. Then you're going. You're just like, oh my God, how do I do this? Then you hit somebody. Then your day is off. And the challenge is that by the time you're even now trying to, oh, I have to read Bible. Oh, my goodness, Bible. Uh, read Bible. Which one should I read now? First Kings. Oh, it looks hard. No, no, no. Let's look for something positive. Joy, joy, joy. Philippians, Philippians. By the time you're trying to put Philippians 1 in, it's not going in because there's already 30 minutes of social media. Your soul, and you know how your soul is. It's not like you can't take, it's just like, oh, I'm done, guy. You know, I'm full. I'm saturated. My head is, you know. And so our spirits are hungry, our souls are hungry. When God speaks, John 6, John, Jesus says, it says the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. They are spiritual and they have life in them. And so he, what, what I began to realize was that the same way you don't go except you're fasting without food for a long time, is the same way you shouldn't go without God's word for a long time, for any length of time you you need to have put in God's word in you. What do I hear God calling us to? And over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at all sorts of things that make for a great life. But church, <laughs> is God saying, would you trust me enough to plant your life upon my word? Is God saying, would you let me be the chief contributor to your thoughts? Because God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And I, and I know you, you, you are widely read and you still read a lot of stuff. But God says, would you, have, would you let me have a conversation with you? And before you look for a voice in your head telling you stuff, uh, the truth is that you must have even listened to all or read as much of all the letters that God so painstakingly wrote to you. 
God is saying, would you let me correct you? Would you let me help you make adjustments in your mind? No wonder he says, do not be conformed to this world. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, you know, we're going to see, as, as the age wraps up, we're going to see things which will steal hope, things which will make people unhappy. I mean, two weeks ago, I just, it was like there was a deluge of just sad news. You didn't even need to look far. It was, and you know, and I just realized, guys, this is Jesus' time. This is time to hold on to God. I used to think that I was a very, um, you know, I, I, I can process things very well, my mind. But three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I realized this is just a bit too much. As someone had lost a child, someone had lost two kids, someone had died, someone had suicide. Then, you know, you know uh, Trump is doing his own here. It's Plato State, the bridge. I'm like, I'm like, no, guys. If we continue like this, one day we'll just all vex. As in really just be upset, angry. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. And I just keep on saying, guys, the Bible, God's word, it's not just, I mean, I think, or not I think, on Wednesday we're going to have this discussion about how do you, how do you study God's word? How do you how do you take it from just, you know, and we're going to deal with practical issues. We're going to deal with uh, principles for, Bible, for biblical interpretation. I think um, my leaders are looking at me because they know that's not what's on the plan, you know. Right, but Busola and I will take that session together. We're going to talk about how do you study. One of the things I'm going to say to people is that think of yourself preparing for an examination, right? Preparing for, I don't know what, it's a good course, physics. So we all done O-level physics. I don't know what the name of the book It's. Uh, uh, help me. Sorry? What new school physics? What's that? <laughs> Malcolm. Malcolm. No, that was. No, no, I didn't use that one. Talk about what did we use? <laughs> Dipper, please. Huh? Malcolm Abaka. Okay. Okay, I don't know. But this big book with hardcover, right? Then imagine you take one paragraph and prepare for the exam. Are you prepared for it? Yes, I've read one part, like a tweet, 140 characters or whatever. Just look at it, look at it, look at it, focus, and you leave it. You even retweet it. You know, you cannot approach that exam <laughs> by taking little bits. Some people have relegated the study of scripture to people who have to preach sermons. I, I beg you, when I read the Bible, I am not reading the Bible so that I can preach a good sermon. No. I am reading the Bible because it is Idris's manual, and so I will embarrass myself if I do not reference what is here. I am reading the Bible because through it, God shows me the corrections and the adjustments that I need to make for my life. I am reading the Bible so that my spirit and my soul are fed and nourished. This is how to live a great life one 
1901. If you, and so, okay, I can talk this one for a long time. So I have to find a way to land this plane like this. Guys, would you please this week, memory verse aside, and you have to read that memory verse, so you have to memorize it. If our next week we can even just do like one more Sunday school something, at least one of the leaders, the people that come here and we're leader, we're leader, I'll give you the mic. We'll say that scripture. <laughs> but, but, but jokes aside, would you consider reading Would you consider reading a bit more of the Bible this week? Would you consider buying a study Bible? A real Bible. This Bible on the phone, you and I know that whew, can be tricky. Because you'll be reading Genesis. Then you get someone has posted an Instagram live something, and you know that it's not there for long. And the word of God abides forever. <laughs> So you just say, God, I'm coming. Just want to, and you know that once you, once you click, you're gone. So buy a real Bible. But will somebody, you know you've not read a book of the Bible this year. Would you let God talk to you this year? Our prayer this month is that when we finish these discussions, there will be no one at Life Point who is worried about the outcome of their life. Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, look, if you build your house upon what I say, if you let me be the one who shapes your mind, and so if you let me help you make decisions. And you, you know, okay, see, I'm going to start preaching again, so I have to very calmly put this message together. There's a, there's a hymn. There's a hymn. That message has finished. I just want to sing so we can pray. There's a hymn. It says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. It says, On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. It says, All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Josh. You, got, you, got, you have my key, eh? <laughs> Father, thank you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, my righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When that fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale.
would you come to God's church this morning in prayer? And would you say, Father, you made me. For someone, it's a, it's a, you start the prayer by actually just repenting and saying, Father, I repent for discarding the manual. I repent from ignoring your word. And just say, Lord, would you help me in the coming weeks to make your word the basis for which I build my life? And someone is saying, Lord, you know, I'm a bit new at this. And I'd like to start step by step. God says, hey, let's, let's give it a shot. But I'd like you to speak to God this morning. I'd like you to speak to God this morning. I'd like you to speak to God this morning. And just make a commitment. It says to study, to show yourself approved. A workman that need not be ashamed. You know that you haven't. You are a bit far from the word, to put it mildly. You know that the opinions of men seems to be the things that you have built your life upon. But would you consider... Uh, it says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. It says, if you open, it says, I will come in. You know that the opinion of your boss seems to be what you are building your life upon. But God says, I made you. I made you. Would you just pray? Would you just pray? Would you just pray? Would you just pray in the spirit one minute, church? Could you just pray in the spirit one minute? Could you just pray in the spirit one minute? Could we pray in the spirit one minute? And as we pray in the spirit, what I hear, what I just sense is God is, is talking at people's hearts, he's giving them instructions for someone. He's actually telling you a book of the Bible, a theme, something to study. He said, it's there, it's there, it's there. It's there. And if you'll be kind this morning, would you please, let's take a minute and pray for one person. And all you are declaring over that person's life this morning is that it does not matter what has been. It does not matter what has been spoken over their lives. But I want you to declare that this person is living a great life in Christ Jesus. So you pray in the Spirit 10 seconds and you just begin to declare, my brother is living a great life in Christ Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you just look for one person and just pray over them. Just pray over them. Lazanta makalamba rebregadesh. Eka rebregadesh anda hikarabazeboshke. Ekeleboshanta makalamba rebregadesh. Would you call them what God calls them? Would you call them what God calls them? Rakabanda makadaba rebregada. The angel will say unto Gideon, O mighty man of valor. Rabanda makalamba ramba regadesh. So he, they may not feel like what you are calling them this Sunday morning. But would you call that woman great? Would you call that child great? Would you call that man great? In the name of the Lord Jesus. Jesus says, I know the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He says, but the same one. He says, I have come that you may have life. Would you declare life and life in abundance over the one whose hands you hold? I don't know where they are. You don't know what storm is blowing upon them. But would you call life, great life, great life, great life. May I ask that all the ministers and the pastors please come as we approach the Lord's table this Sunday morning. It's first Sunday of the month and what we'll do is to share communion. 
Jesus says, anytime you break bread and you take up the cup, he says, do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24, there were two, a couple of disciples, after Jesus had died on the road to Emmaus, they were sad, they were discontent, they were unhappy. Things have not happened the way they thought it would happen. Well, the Bible says Jesus opened the scripture and began to share the scripture concerning him. He says, yet nothing happened. They could not understand. Then they sat somewhere. And the Bible says Jesus broke bread. And the Bible says as soon as he broke bread, the Bible says their eyes were open. Our Father, we pray in this place today that as we take up the communion table, that eyes will be opened in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our Father, we declare in this place today, according to your word earlier on, that as we take up the table, that bodies will be healed. We declare in this place today that as we share of the communion, that debts will be repaid, that burdens will be lifted in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the whole church shouted a big amen the band will continue to lead us in worship and the pastors and the ministers will bring uh, the communion elements to you Oh. 
Our Father, we declare healing in this house today, now. We declare healing. I don't know if there's anyone who is in ailment. We just prayed in the spirit for a minute. There's something you're trusting God for. The Bible says his body was broken that yours might not be. So I'll ask you in faith to lay your hands if you can on whatever part of your body needs healing. And there was a church who were praying in the spirit one minute. And we are declaring that those ailments end today. It ends now in the name of the Lord Jesus. So all over this place, we're trusting God for healing. Healing in the name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. From the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet. God is saying to someone, you will live a great life. He says, in the beginning, darkness was upon the earth. He says, but I sent my word. He says, greatness happened. He said, you will live a great life. He said, arise and shine. He says, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He says, he says, his word is bigger than your mistakes. His word is bigger than your disadvantages. You will live a great life. You will live a great life. You will live a great life. Nothing missing, nothing broken. You will live a great life. Your life will be the fascination of many in your generation. You will live a great life. You will live and not die. You will live a great life. It doesn't matter who said what, when and where. But God has said it. You will live a great life. Our Father, we thank you. You are the one who created us and the one who we worship with joy. Lord, we declare, we agree with you that we will live great lives in Christ Jesus. Lord, this week as we go forth, this month, this new rest of the year, we declare it's for greatness on all sides. We thank you for testimonies abounding. We give you praise, our Father. We thank you for healings in this place today. To your glory and praise. God's push out a big amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.com.